0: verse number 13 now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus it wasn't wasn't their intellect. It wasn't their all of the letters and numbers and degrees that were behind their name from their education. As a matter of fact, they perceived that they lacked all of those things. But they marveled because they realized that there was wisdom that exuded from them and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus, I think the most important thing that we can do is to just get in the presence of the Lord Jesus. I want to get in his presence, don't you? Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for your presence that we feel in the house today. I pray, Lord, that your word would touch hearts in the room today. And God, that we would entertain your presence and that your glory would accomplish the purpose for which you were sending it, and we thank you, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Mark, it's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Mark's been in the hospital, and I just looked over and saw him. You can be seated. I looked over and saw him here. Tom's in the hospital, Tom Dalton, and uh, of course we're praying for him, praying that the Lord will see him through. He has a horrible infection in his body, and uh, we're believing that the Lord's going to see him through. Amen. I'm going to talk to you a little bit this morning about the presence of the Lord. There is nothing more important than being in the presence of God. Now, this message may not be too incredibly deep because I, I just said what basically I really intend to say this morning. I'm going to say it in a lot of different ways maybe and try to prick our hearts for us to understand the importance of of just getting in the presence of God. And how do I get in the presence of God? There are really two ways to get into the presence of the Lord. And and getting in His presence is, is, is two avenues that generally go against human will and go against fleshly understanding. And that is through prayer and through our worship. It is prayer and worship that gets us into the presence of God. I, I would like to steal the thunder, but I will, I will hold it, Dylan, because I know that you, you, you want to preach your own sermon, and so I won't, I won't steal your thunder, but man, do I feel this morning like sharing something Dylan shared with me this week, and he just talked to me a little bit this week, called me in and around the piano, and uh, just began to talk to me a little bit, and in talking to me, he just began to strike a few chords on the piano, And began to play, and we began to sing. (laughs) Right in my living room, the glory of the Lord swept in. And you know me, being the ball baby that I am, I was sitting on the couch wiping tears. It was late in the evening, and the presence of the Lord swept in. And I, I was busy, I was busy about a lot of things, but I found myself captivated at that moment because it wasn't even and I love I love beautiful music and I sat I sat listening as Dylan so skillfully played but it wasn't even the beautiful notes that he was playing but there was a presence of God that swept into that room that I wanted to entertain we have phones and 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 Cameras and we capture pictures and we capture video, but there are some things that cannot be captured, and that is presence. You cannot capture presence. Presence is something that comes and goes, you must be there and be at the moment. It's like some of my father in law's stories or jokes that he tells, and when he's done, he's laughing, and I'm looking. And he said, I knew you wouldn't laugh anyway. And my response generally is, I guess, you'd just have to be there. My wife says that to me often. She looks and shrugs her shoulders that I'm not laughing at her jokes. And she says, I know you would just have to be there. There's something about presence. It is, it is there's being there is so very important. We can, we can podcast and we can live stream and we can try to describe and explain the moment and the move of God in a service, a revival service, a move of God, and try to describe it and explain it. And it seems like that our words always just simply fall short. Because you cannot describe what happens in those moments when the presence of God sweeps in. The presence of God is so unique and so powerful in that it is always prevalent. It is always here. But it is the fact when our human sensitivity becomes uh, restricted and we begin to focus on the things of God and we begin to respond to what God is speaking and what God is saying and what God is wanting to do. And it is at those moments that God's presence begins to flow and begins to to work among us. It's not that His presence wasn't already there. It is that we were not in a place where we recognized His presence and where His presence could work among us and work on us. And when we get in the avenue of worship, and in the avenue of prayer. Those two elements open a door of opportunity for God to do things in our lives. That no, no amount of teaching, no amount of study, no amount of learning. And I don't want to discount any of those things because they are all so very important. I I, I love good preaching. And I love good Bible teaching. If the Lord would allow us, I would love to even, I would love to 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 have more seminars and teach. I just love it. I love to receive it. And some great Bible teachers I would love to bring and 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 let you be exposed to some of the great teaching and 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 the understanding and the knowledge. And and so I'm not speaking about any of those things, but no matter how skilled we are and how much training or how many rehearsals we have with music, or singing, or the choir, or how many uh, uh, how many meetings we have for, for, for our preachers to become more eloquent, or, or, or better studied, or more content in their sermons, or how much better our programming uh, becomes, and, and how much smoother that things operate as a church. How much better our children's ministry, our our usher staff, or our greeting team. Uh, it, how how much better we get in all. None of those things amount to anything unless we are uh, unless we get into the presence of God. It is what distinguishes us from others. It's what changes. Uh, this place from just being another community center, another community gathering, another place for us just to come. Uh, It is getting in His presence. There is a story in the book of Exodus where Moses and God are having a conversation. And the conversation is about Moses leading the people of God out. God is calling Moses to lead to leave his mediocre lifestyle uh, from just being on on the backside of a desert tending sheep to going and being a leader and a spokesperson for God and to go to Pharaoh and to tell him to let God's people go. And uh, of course this conversation is going back and forth between Moses and between God. And in all of this, as as the negotiation happens, God steps up and says to Moses, My presence is going to be with you. He said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And another translation uses the word peace. He says, "I, I will be with you, and I'm going to give you peace. Moses responds back to God And he says something so powerful. He said, if thy presence does not go with me, then don't even carry us up there. Don't even take us up. In other words, if your presence is not going to be, Lord, if you're just messing with me. And if I'm going to get there and feel like your presence is not there, don't even open the door for me to go. This is how I feel this morning. I never want this church to make one change or to have one event or to do one thing that reduces our opportunity to be in His presence. I don't want to just be around. I want to be in his presence. I want whatever we do I want it to, to be about getting in the presence of God. I've lived long enough to recognize the importance of the knowledge of God. The teaching and all of the study and the Bible teaching and all of these things that are so very important. We need proper understanding. There's a time for that. And I will talk to you about that. We need right doctrine. We need... Proper theology. We need all of these things, but with without clear understanding, I, I, we we can be led astray and be led into all sorts of things. But I will tell you, we live in a day of advanced. Uh, understanding. I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were talking about the, the the way that they're reading through the Bible and listening to the Bible on uh, in, in its recorded uh, metho- methods and listening to the Bible being read and using different translations and it changing voices and. Uh, when one person speaks and another, and it sounds incredibly uh, interesting, and 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 maybe a good way to to help us uh, in in our Bible study and reading along with it in in the Scripture as it's as it's going through. What whatever tools we have, we have more tools today. Than what we have ever had We have Bible study tools Things available at the click of a mouse We can get places and do things And study and listen to preaching And all of these things We live in a day of advanced uh, understanding More people are well educated today Than previous generations I'm a proponent of education and knowledge and, And love all the tools that are at our fingertips Use them Use them by all means Use them. Get knowledge with experience and and, and, and understanding. This is all good. But I am going to tell you this morning that all of the tools we have and all of the learning. And we can get so educated that we think that is all that we need. But I come this morning to tell you that we've got to move outside of the realm of human understanding and human reasoning. When the presence of God begins to sweep in, when the chords begin to be played, and God begins to receive glory and honor, and the choir begins to sing, and we begin to, we ought to say, hey, here's an opportunity for me to get in His presence. I don't come just sit through a service and listen to singing, and listen, this is an opportunity. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm going to stress it to you this morning. Preaching is for our understanding. It's for us. We gain. But worship is for Him. If you can sit through preaching and enjoy it but not engage in worship, you're being selfish toward God. When the presence of God began, when the opportunity to worship God is afforded us, we ought to have our hands lifted. We ought to have song coming out of of our mouth. Praise. You may not be able to sing on key, but you can say hallelujah. I worship you up. That it is his presence. We ought to get in his presence. Worship is about him. I need to get in his presence. It is about it's not for my pleasure. It's not about my enjoyment of the style, of music or who's singing. It is about his presence and me glorifying him. We need His presence. You can teach all you want to teach. I can try to understand. But I'm going to tell you that there's nothing that replaces experience. I can describe some great dish that my wife cooks. I can explain it to you. It's a bad subject on Sunday morning at 1121. We can talk about it. I can tell you how good it is. But until you taste for yourself, my words will never be able to persuade you until you can put your taste buds on it. And your life is changed. See, I can talk about what praise will do. But until you engage in praise, you're never going to get it, ever. Because the experience will change everything. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to move and just say, mm. I'm just going to get in His presence for a few moments, and until you have operated in that realm, until you have stepped into that arena and understand, I know, I know, people looking at me might think I'm weird, might think i but that doesn't matter. We come together in this house this morning. I don't know how many's in the house today. Maybe with all the kids, a couple hundred and fifty, maybe uh, that's in the room today. What, uh, whatever's in this, room. but I'm telling you that 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 we come together today, and nobody's going to judge you because of your worship? No, but because we understand something. There is something about experience. You need to experience His presence. If you've never felt the glory of God and said, wow, I feel, I sense something. If you've never lived where you have I feel his glory. I feel you need to step into it. You need to say, hey, I need to know more about that. I need to experience that. I know some people say, well, that's just an emotional experience. I said to somebody, we need to pray, and their response came back something about, well, it's an emotional decision. I'm telling you, prayer is more than an emotional experience. I get in the presence of God, and my mind is changed. My heart My heart is changed, my life is changed, my attitude is changed, my outlook is changed because I've got in His presence. Perhaps one of the greatest concerns about this generation is that they have knowledge without experience. They have credentials, but they lack anointing. John the evangelist wrote to a select group who were being inundated with knowledge. But the knowledge lacked the unction of the Holy Ghost. Over and over John tells them, he uses the word abide. And if you study John, he'll use the word abide quite a bit. He says abide in what you have been taught by your fathers. Abide in what you have been taught by the Holy Ghost. I want you to get that. He said, I want you to abide in what you have been taught by your fathers. In other words, through, through teaching, through understanding, through book knowledge, through historical teaching, the teaching of your fathers. I want you to abide in that. But then I also want you to abide in what you have been taught by the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? He's saying the Holy Ghost... The scripture, there's several places in the scripture that it speaks of the Holy Ghost as being a teacher who will lead you and guide you into all truth. My point to you this morning is it does not have to be me standing in a pulpit, a podium, talking to you. And teaching you from the scripture, saying, "This is what this means, and this is what how we apply this." This is how there is some things that the Holy Ghost can teach you.
2: Well,
0: if if we got this this morning, it would change our out. There's some things that I can teach you. There's some things that your parents can teach you, and that your grandparents and that experience in life. But there's some things that the Holy Ghost you just got to experience it. You've got to get in His presence where the Holy Ghost begins to teach you and begins to say, hey, this is what I'm wanting to say. The Spirit speaks expressly to the church. There's a thread all through the Scripture where the Spirit is speaking to the There's sometimes that you just get in His presence and the Lord just gives you direction. Some of the most pivotal moments of my life did not come when I'm sitting with a Bible in my hand, did not come when I'm sitting through a seminar or a training, class or Bible college or a theological study, but they've come at moments when I've been in the presence of God. Sometimes I'm just sitting in His presence and all of a sudden the Lord said, boom, there's direction for you. There's where you, that's the next step for you to take because in His presence there is a teaching, there is an understanding that comes when you are in His presence. First John chapter 2, he begins to talk to them about being aware, being being aware of heady teaching. I want you to understand this. Now, I, I'm not teaching or preaching against anybody this morning. My point and purpose for this is because we have to be careful. I don't think we have heady teaching and preaching in this pulpit. And I'm not just speaking to myself, I'm talking about all the others and evangelists and speakers. I don't think they come in trying to say, oh well let me tell you and teach you so that you understand from my great wisdom. I hope they've studied and prayed and touched the Lord and I I trust that they have. But I, I don't sense that we have heady teaching, but sometimes if we're not careful, human flesh will cause us to have heady living we begin to live from a heady, I need to just know. It's just about knowledge. It's about what I understand. It's about what I know. You need knowledge. You need. I'm not preaching against those things. But we must be careful about putting our teaching above our experience. They have to be hand in hand. There must be a balance of truth and spirit. It's got to be a balance. If it's out of balance, it's out of balance. You're out of balance. There's got to be a balance. We need truth preaching and we need true worshipers because He is seeking such who would worship, who would worship Him in spirit and in truth. There is a balance of spirit and truth. There must be balance. We've got to have the moments of good teaching, but we've got to have the moments of engaging in worship, in His presence. Well I do Yeah for two minutes I clap my hands And the other two hours I sit on my hands No no that's not balance That's not balance There must be a balance Of truth and spirit There must be a balance John is telling them beware of heady teaching these heady teachers only want to impress you and will seduce you for personal gain but I can promise you this church there is never a time that the presence of God moves in a house moves in a room where you're going to say wow the Lord's just trying to impress me because when the spirit of truth has come, when the spirit of God moves, when the presence of God comes, it is there for your benefit. It will encourage you. It will strengthen you. It will change you. It will lift you up. He, God never comes to impress you. Oh, he impresses me, all right. But that's not his purpose. The only way we can be anointed for this hour is to spend time in his presence somebody said the world doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care and I, I agree with that so much and understand but I am going to tell you that when when folks when folks enter the doors of this church I, I don't believe that they come here I mean there's 90 some odd churches in Clinton County they could choose any church and we understand that And if you're a guest here today, thank you for choosing Christian Life Church. We want to be authentic and real. We want to be in the Word of God. I want to be a Bible church. I want to be a Bible preaching and teaching church. But you could go anywhere in the world. But there is one thing. There is one thing that I want to be a distinguishing factor about this church. And that is that we value the presence. That's why that our prayer life is so important. That's why us engaging in worship and our music on the platform is not here for entertainment. It's here for leading. And they can't lead unless we follow. And so therefore, when they begin to lead, we have to engage and say, you know what, I'm going to respond. When they ask me to clap my hands, this is just kind of like a, it's kind of like a workout, you know. It's kind of like, hey, come on, everybody, lift your hands. Come on, everybody, clap your hands. Why is it that they have to do this? Why is it that they do this? I don't want somebody to tell me. I want it to be spontaneous. I'm going to tell you why. Because most of the time, if we're not encouraged to lift our hands or to clap our hands or to get involved, we won't. We just simply will not get involved. And so we'll sit through, watch a service go by, and walk out. What that is really about is encouraging us to get in His presence. Encouraging us to take a step where now I am in his presence. It's more than me just being here watching a show. That's why that some folks can come to church and they leave and say, wow, that was a powerful service. That was a great sermon. That was a great worship. That one song touched my heart. I was really moved. That was a great service. Somebody else leaves and says, well, I didn't get one thing out of that service. The difference is, is in our appetite and our engaging in what God is wanting to do. And so sometimes it is. Come on, let's practice this. Let's all clap our hands. Well, let, let's do this together. Let's all just clap our hands together. Would you do that? Wow, good, good. I got about ninety. I got about ninety nine percent. We don't, that doesn't happen all the time. Let's all lift our hands. Could you do that? Just lift your hands. See, see how easy that is. See how easy that is. Now you guys are all passing and making me just sit here and go, wow, look at this. Do you know what? If it was that easy during a worship service where we're like, now somebody else is going to clap. Now somebody else is going to lift. Now somebody else is going to step across the aisle and speak to somebody. There, there's a, there's a method to this. There's a purpose for this. There's a reason for this. Our clapping our hands is not because we need to hear the echo off the walls. Our clapping our hands is engaging into what God is wanting to do in His presence. Our lifting our hands is part of our worship. It is, it is part of our worship. When we stand in awe of the presence of God, every it's about engaging in what God is doing. And so when is when we're here leading, or somebody's here leading, Brother Danny or Sister Ashley this morning, it's here leading. And when they're leading, we've got to be led. We've got to say, okay, I'm going to engage. You don't have to ask me to clap my hands. I'm going to clap my hands. You don't have to ask me to lift my hands. I'm going to lift my hands because I learned a long time ago that I can come sit through a service or I can engage in the service. And the difference in how I leave is the difference in how I, whether I engage or not. I want to be in His presence engaged in what He's doing because in His presence there is fullness of joy. And that is right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I want my worship. I don't want to be begged to prayer meeting. I don't want to be begged to pray every day. I don't want to be begged to come early. I want to just get here because I know if I can get in the presence of God, everything else is going to change. His presence is worth more than anything else. Maybe this is why David, with a repentant heart, cried out to the Lord, Cast me not away from thy presence. You know, this is right after David's sin. When David fell and he had committed sin and now he's trying to make things right with God. And in his repentant heart, David is saying, God, I'm a failure. I've messed up. I made a mistake. I really did horrible things and I... I have committed murder, and I've committed adultery, and I've done all these things. And But after he repents, he comes back around. And David begins to say in Psalm 51, 11, Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David was a worshiper. David, David, the song book of Psalm is full of David praising God and giving him ador- adoration and praise and writing songs and hymns unto the Lord. But David, David knew something about the presence of God and his worship. And so he started saying, God, would would you forgive me? Would you, would you blot out all of these things that I've done? And he begins to ask God, Lord, just whatever. I understand. Don't cast me away from your presence. And then he goes on and says, Lord, don't ever take your Holy Spirit from me. David saying I've lived long enough to value presence over anything else. Our world has lost the value of presence. Go to go to restaurants. It amazes me, young and old alike. You go to a restaurant, sit in a restaurant, look around the room and watch. The other day we were in a restaurant, there was about there was a, a man and his wife, and there were three kids in the restaurant, and we're sitting in the restaurant, and I looked over at them, and we're talking and doing whatever, and fidgeting and fiddling, and occasionally picking up our phones and doing the same thing they were doing. But in that restaurant, all five, all five. Them were sitting there, and they had they had their phone, and I watched them through the whole meal. I never saw them talk. I never saw them communicate at any level. I never saw there was they were they were there, but there was no presence. You ever talk to somebody and the whole time you're. Talking to them, we, we laugh sometimes about going to conferences and some people that you run into, you know, you haven't seen all year, and you see them, oh, hey, good to see you. We're the greatest friends in the world. And just as they speak to you, they're looking, seeing who else is around. You're trying to talk, uh huh. And they're looking, trying to see who else they can run and speak to because they're not present. They're not present. They're not there. They're not engaged. I watched that family sit there. And here they are. They're having a nice family dinner in a nice restaurant. And they're just there just just texting and playing games and doing whatever. And there was zero communication between. The world is losing the importance of presence among our families and in social gatherings. But I'm going to tell you more than that. I am concerned about the church getting to a point where we go through the motion. We come in and have three songs and an offering, prayer and preaching and a two-minute altar call and out the door and off to dinner and off to the restaurant. I don't ever want to get to the point that I can't stop where I am and say, Lord, let us just bask in your presence. Throw the schedule out the door. I just want your presence more than I want anything else. I want to engage in your presence. Too many people brush off the opportunity. They they just brush it off as if it is no big deal. Oh, I've been in the presence of great people. I've been able to be in the presence of great politicians and people of renown. I've been asked to to, to be in, in places this week on 911 on Wednesday night was able to be in and one of our representatives spoke and I was asked to go and, and lead in prayer and so I, I went over and joined with a couple other ministers and I was in Crawfordsville and 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 there this this Rep, state representative is speaking, and and I was asked to pray and sit on the platform next to him and speak to him and talk. I've been in the presence of of honorable people and great people, but I'm going to tell you that you can get you can be in the presence of anybody you want, but there is no presence like the presence of God. You never come out of the presence of God the same. I've been in the presence of great people. But you walk away and it's like, wow, it was nice meeting them. They were very kind. They were very complimentary. They were very nice. They seemed very helpful. But I'm going to tell you, when you get in the presence of God, Isaiah got in the presence of God and he said, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Moses took off his shoes as a sign of vulnerability and reverence. His life. And direction was forever changed because he got in the presence of God. Job said, I've heard of thee by the hearing of my ear, but now he describes it and he said, Mine eye has seen, yet we know it wasn't a real physical eye that he's talking about. He said, Now I have experienced it for myself. I've encountered him, and my life has been changed. Peter and John now says the scripture says. That When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived they were ignorant and unlearned men. But they took knowledge of them because they had been with Jesus. When you get around the presence of God, everybody around you is going to know, whoa, there's something different about them. There's some folks, they don't have to announce it to the world. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I can tell they've been praying. And sometimes I can say, I can tell they're not praying. Hello. Just because when you get in the presence of God, it will change everything about you. Your demeanor will change. Your outlook will change. Uh, An encounter with God will absolutely transform you. His image will become our image. uh, We we must understand that this is why our altar call is so very important. The message deals with our reasoning, but the change comes when we encounter. Encounter his presence. The word altar, and I know it's spelled one with an A and one with an E, altar call, or the word altar or change, they're very closely related in that an experience at the altar, A-R, will change your, will, will, will alter, E-R, will alter your life they are very closely related. That's why it's so very important that we have a family altar. That's why it's very important that we have, I understand the spelling change there but the meaning is so closely related in the two words because I'm telling you that is where change, when you find an altar, that's where your life is altered. That's where your life is changed. That's where everything that's why the culture of prayer is so very important in the church and in our personal lives and it Encounter with God will change you. If we genuinely seek Him, we will find Him. I'll be quickly closing this morning. If you choose to bypass an opportunity to encounter the presence of God, we can be walking in a very, very dangerous area. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. It says for the lord the lord searcheth the hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts watch the lord searcheth the hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts if thou seek him he will be found of thee but there is another Part of that, we often quote, oh, if you seek the Lord, you will find Him. That's true. But there's another part, but if thou forsake Him, if you reject His presence, if you reject getting in His presence, He will cast thee off forever. Do you get that? If you reject Him, He will cast thee off for eternity. But when you seek Him, you will find Him. David, through his psalm over and over again, talks about the Lord drawing nigh unto us. Psalm 145. The Lord is nigh unto them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. God, listen church, God is not running from you. I know, I know that a pretty well-known guy wrote a book called God Chasers. And I read excerpts out of it, and it actually was a reasonably good book, and I understand the idea. But the title itself will throw you off a little bit if you feel like you've got to chase God. Because there's nobody in this room, I don't care how bad you've been, how far you've gone. how deep in sin you have been there's never a moment that you were chasing God. I'm going to tell you when you made a turn in the pig pen and headed back to the father's house the father was looking out the window and here he comes down the road. If anything he's running to meet you. One writer wrote a song and says mercy came running to me. That's the way I see God. He's not running from you. He's running toward you. When you take one step Toward him, he'll take two steps toward you. He's running toward you. He's not against you, he's for you. He's not against you, he's on your side. We need his presence more than anything else because if I get in his presence, that's when I know everything's going to be all right. James says, Stand with me. James said, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. But God doesn't force His presence on us. We have to seek Him. Pay attention now. Sometime in preaching, we say things like God's going to break into your situation. It sounds good. But God's not going to break into anything. The Bible doesn't say God's going to break in. As a matter of fact, it said He's standing at the door knocking. If any man will open and receive him, he'll come in unto you. God's standing at the door of your heart this morning and he's knocking. He's got bloody hands knocking, saying, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. You don't have to beg me to come in. I'm I'm matter of fact, when a guest comes to your door, you didn't call them and say, Hey, please come to my house and stand outside and knock. As a matter of fact, when someone when I stop in at somebody's house and you're knocking on the door, it's that awkward moment of, well, I hope I'm not intruding. Well, I hope I'm not doing something. I hope they're not, I hope they're not in dinner. I hope they're, hope they're not busy. God's standing at the door of your heart. I, I hope they have time for me today. They're at church this morning. Here I stand. I'm standing at the door knocking. If any man will open unto me, I will come in and I'll sup with him. That's what the scripture says. He wants sin. He wants an encounter with you. And your life will be better when you encounter His presence. I don't just want an encounter. I want a continual encounter. David compared his desire to encounter God. He says, as the deer panteth after the water brook. So... My soul paneth after thee, O oh God. Child of God, He's standing at the door knocking this morning. If you're thirsty, open and let Him give you a drink. He'll quench the thirsting of your soul. He's here for you this morning. When we wonder what will bring an apostolic revival in our lives, It's probably not going to be the next great evangelist, prophet, pastor, teacher, leadership seminar. Most likely, it's just going to be when the people of God say, I just got to get in His presence. The awakening revival conference that we do every year is such a highlight. It was birthed out of a deep desire that God put in my heart. And in my prayer, I said, God, I just want our church to be saturated in your presence. We started praying and fasting and seeking God. We've had some great preachers come through. But I'm telling you what happens has very little to do with the speaker. It has to do with you and I opening the door and saying, come on in. I'll put my life on pause. I'll pray, I'll fast, I'll seek God and His glory will come in. Many of the things that you struggle with today can be changed by just getting in His presence. Like Moses, if His presence isn't there, I don't want to be there. But His presence is here. I want to open these altars today and I want you to respond the way that you see fit. But I wish that we could just take a few moments and not be in a hurry to rush to the restaurant and rush out. But that we would just take a few minutes and just say, this isn't about somebody else. This isn't about me ministering to somebody, laying hands on somebody. This isn't about me praying for a specific need. But right now, I just want to get I just want to get in your presence. I just want to get in your presence.
1: In your presence, there is freedom. Chains are loose. Lives are healed.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Peace is
0: waiting. With arms stretched open, open. In, your in your presence, your love's
1: revealed. Oh, yes. In your oh, presence, there is, there is freedom. Freedom. Chains are loose and lives are healed. His way, with arms stretched open. In Your presence, Your love's revealed.
0: All I
1: need is found in Your presence. All I need is found. Seeing more than the preacher that we hear we want to get in your presence we thank you for your presence God come on someone clap your hands and thank him this morning hallelujah and why don't we thank our pastor for that incredible
2: word that he spoke to